Boy, what a gorgeous church. This is absolutely beautiful. And, uh, boy, you just don't see things like this. You know, when I, when I was pulling through um, um, the little town here, I said, this almost looks like a Hallmark movie, you know. It's just so, I don't know, not that I've ever watched a Hallmark movie, you know. <laughs> I, I saw my wife watching one, and I glanced at it once. <laughs> But anyway, no, it's just uh, those are a little busier than that. But boy, what a what a beautiful church! I remember uh, through the years, I would often stop by uh, the church and and, and kind of check on it. Um, we lived in Phillipsburg for years and had a little church that we uh, pastored there. Uh, oh, I don't know, twenty six, twenty eight years ago. And um, anyway, so we would come to camp up most a lot, and so we'd cut through Helmville and you know cut our way through here and. I was like looking at little country churches and seeing what's going on. And, and I would always stop. And I'm the, I'm the adventurous one. I'm the one who likes to explore and look. And my wife is always the cautious one. Oh, you can't do, you know. And I pull up the churches and I, oh, I'm going to go in there and look. You just can't go in. And I said, honey, it's, you know. And, and, or, or I would be pretty capable as, I wonder where they would hide a key if they did lock it, you know. And then she'd really get mad at me. But then I'd look at these churches. But, but I, I remember ma- several times coming and looking at this church and seeing this and maybe then the progress and some things were updated. And so, so I just encourage you folks, God bless you guys for staying the course and, and uh, seeking to be a testimony and a witness, man, this Valley needs, this Valley needs a lighthouse for Christ, doesn't it? This Valley needs a lighthouse for Christ. And so we're praying for you. We are praying that you guys will be a lighthouse for the Lord, that you will shine and that, uh, God will do great things through this ministry. And so, uh, you know, there's ups and downs in ministries and there's kind of ebbs and flows and there's good times and there's battles and struggles, just like life. But uh, stay the course, be committed, be consistent, be there. And I trust that God will continue to use you guys and one family, one person, one at a time to see the, the kingdom of God expanded. And hopefully we get through this COVID stuff and can even get back to a little bit more of a normal schedule, right? But I am the new director of the Rocky Mountain Bible Mission and uh, something that I really wasn't sure. I'm not sure how that even happened. Um, we, <laughs> we, uh, Lord asked me, so if you have a problem, it was Lloyd, he's on the board and he said, would you do this? So I don't know. But we were 40 years in ministry uh, in rural America. And we first went to a little place in Hammett, Idaho. Hammond, Idaho is about halfway between Missoula and, uh, not, not Missoula, but um, Boise and um, Twin Falls. So about halfway between Boise and Twin Falls, a little potato farming community. Really not a town to speak of. They had a few things there, a little ag business and maybe a post office. and and uh, But it was country. And uh, they were country folks. And we were really basically the first uh, pastoral you know, person to come there, my wife and I, we were fresh out of Bible school and uh, there was a handful of people and they just said, you know, we want a church and we don't know what to do. And at that time we were with a group called Village Missions. And I'll never forget, we pulled up to the church and uh, as we pulled up to this building and, and, you know, there was a group of people painstakingly worked hard to put this building together. You know, they have a structure. They wanted a church. There was no church for miles. That was the only church, church building for miles. And uh, they, they, they worked 
what they did is some guy was able to put a jig together. He put these beams or he made these, you know, supports and these arches and kind of formed a skeleton. And then they scratched their head and they thought, well, I don't know, what can we do? We don't have building materials. We don't have money. But what could we find, you know? And so that little town happened to be on the Union Pacific Rail Line. And uh, there was a maintenance depot for the rail line. And what they would do is they would send their machines and they'd go up and they'd chop out all the old uh, railroad ties that were no good. They'd just heave them in a pile and there were three pieces to them. And the first piece was what was between the rail and then the two ends. And there were just piles of them. So one guy had the idea. He said, you know, I wonder what it would be like if we took that skeleton and just started building that up with those railroad ties and put mortar between them. And so that's what they did. So I get to this church. The outside they had sided with some lap siding. So I get, we pulled up. We, we never talked to anybody at the church. We just trusted the director of our mission. We never talked to us, so we didn't know anything. We pulled up and they had a little trailer pulled behind the church and uh, the church was there. We found it and we got there and got out of the vehicle and there was an older lady there washing some potatoes for us. <laughs> They're all potato farmers there, you know. And there she's in the kitchen sink scrubbing potatoes, getting ready to give us some potatoes, you know. And uh, so anyway, I guess before that, before we even got into the house, um, she said to, to us, the two ladies said, well, what would you like to see? Would you like to see the, your, your home first or the, or the church? And we kind of, both Lori and I, we kind of looked at the trailer and said, oh, you know, it'll be all right, God, you know, we'll make it do it. I said, ah, I think we'll pass on the trailer. Let's see the church. And so before we even got in to look at the church, they opened the door. And as they opened the door, we were just hit with, with this wave of creosote. It was like, it was, and we walked in, and they were, you have got four lights, this is pretty advanced, or six, but they, they had, they had, you know, you had the little, the wires were hanging from the ceiling with just a light bulb, you know, and they were just, bing, 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 there were three light bulbs, and they turned on the lights, and it hardly even got light there, because the church was just black. <laughs> it was just black, and uh, I just say that story, that was our first ministry experience that we spent years there. And it was just that little community. And you know the Lord used that in our lives tremendously. I mean, we were young. We didn't, we didn't know a whole lot. We just knew that Jesus was our Savior, and we wanted to honor him. And we tried the best we could. And we started kids' programs and youth groups and Bible studies. And, you know, we had three people from that little church go to Bible school and went to full-time ministry. And that church is still plugging along today. And um, it was a great memory for us. And it was just a little... A little place out by itself, you know, and just made up of folks like you, just uh, just simple people, you know, trying to make it every day, and uh, but but they they love the Lord, and you know when you love the Lord, and you love each other, a lot of things can happen, a lot of things can happen. So I just encourage you guys, keep just keep seeking the Lord. You know, the man came to Christ and said, you know, what's the most important thing we could do? You know, you love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind all your soul. And so just keep loving the Lord. And then the Lord said, you know, then you love your neighbor as yourself. And there's nothing that speaks more volumes than just the simple message of loving the Lord, seeking him, and then letting people see that you really love each other. But nothing will speak more important than that. You know what? The devil will come along. He'll try to do everything to stop you from doing that. He will try to stop you from your commitment and your values and your loving the Lord. And he'll try to put wedges between you too. And that happens. But we have to be strong and we have to be humble and we have to be willing to say, you know, forget. Now, wait a minute. What's going on here? 
really? What's the big picture? And we have to be willing to die and uh, sacrifice sometimes to say, you know, that's okay. I'm not going to die in that hell because it's not, it's not worth it. And so keep seeking the Lord Church here. You guys are great. Wonderful to come and be with you. And I pray that uh, we will be praying for great things that happen in this little valley through you. You're the church. This is just a building. You're the church. So, hey, I want to share with you some things from God's word today. I'm just so excited. Um, oh, by the way, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if Lloyd's been telling you about this, but in a month or so, we've got a great little conference in uh, 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 Missoula. It's called the Shepherd's Conference. And uh, if you want to get together for a couple days and just be encouraged in the Lord and, and be with a bigger group maybe and sing some wonderful praise songs and worship. And uh, we've got a, a special speaker coming, Dr. Kevin Horton, and uh, he will be sharing. And, uh, you know, some wonderful things. I'll even be talking about uh, the importance of shepherding and uh, what it's like to be a shepherd. My wife is even going to be sharing. And so she will talk about what it's like to be a shepherdess. And what she's learned in 40 years of uh, being a, a ministry and how you can just in the day-by-day -day trenches and boy when I saw the kids coming up here that brought memories back to me that was so cool to see the little children's message and I don't know why it is but well, that always trumps the regular message doesn't it <laughs> I think I'm gonna sit down here and just bring some candy up and about a three-minute deal and y'all go home happy no I'll have to torture you here for however long we have left or something. But uh, but anyway, thank you for supporting and being a part of uh, Rocky Mountain Bible Mission. Uh, we, we, we're on the same page. And there's there's 20-some communities like this that were, were around Montana that are in crucial places that uh, need to be lighthouses for the gospel of Christ. And so uh, continue to... As you pray for yourself in this, remember the, the bigger family of Rocky Mountain Bible Mission that, uh, you know, we may not be all over the world, but God has given us this part of the world. And so let, let's do what we can for the Lord in our part of the world. And so continue to pray for Rocky Mountain Bible Mission and pray for me. This is new, new for me and my wife, and we're trying to figure out how this looks after 40 years and pastoring rural churches. So, well, anyway, today... I want to talk to you about something really basic, and I do want us to get into our Bibles today and uh, look at some things that are really important from the Word of God, and uh, just kind of basic. It's really basic, but if you've got the basics in place, so many other things just seem to take care of themselves, and it's, it's, it's interesting how often we can forget the basics. Uh, and it's always a struggle. I mean, we're always told in the Christian life how important it is, well, you know, read your Bible every day. And, you know, there's nothing more basic than that, but yet that's sometimes a huge struggle or, or pray every day. And you can say, well, boy, that's one of my biggest battles in life is my prayer life. But yet it's one of the basics or just loving each other. You know, there's there's a few things that are really just basic that we need to have in place. But we we need to be reminded. We need to be encouraged. We need to be intentional about understanding and putting into place some of those basics. I remember Vince Lombardi saying, you guys like football at all a little bit, you know. I've been a little bit, you know, the whole professional sport world is kind of uh, a little bit stayed a little bit away from it lately. It just gets a little bit, everything's getting political, you know. But um, but I remember Vince Lombardi, you know, probably one of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, he used to begin training camp. And here he would come into a room of all these big professional football athletes, you know. 
and he'd come into the training room and he'd come in with a football. And the first thing he would say to the guys, professional football players, he would just look at them and he said, this is a football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you think all these athletes, you know, it's like, okay, you know, but, but he realized how important it was to really make sure you've got the basics in place. And, and the more secure those basics are in your life, the more solid that is, the more stable your foundation is, the more other things can happen. Or perhaps if that foundation's not there, it's not letting other things happen. And so sometimes you maybe wonder, like, why isn't there, maybe, why isn't this taking place? Well, maybe that foundation is not as secure as maybe you think it is. And so just as simple as, like, you know, it's a hard thing. You know, to have someone come up to you. Maybe this has ever happened to you. Have you ever come up to you and said, um, you know, someone said, uh, you know, who is God? I said, well, have you ever tried to define that? I mean, say you left today and you went down to the little, you know, Orlando Mercantile down here, you know, and you walk in there, oh, you're at church, and someone says, well, who is God? Or, or do you folks believe in Jesus? Who is Jesus? Can you explain Jesus to me? It's like, man, you know, and we would begin to probably say some things, you know. One little one little girl, you, you know, it's kind of funny what kids will do when you ask them these questions, and, and they come up with all kinds of really fun things. I remember reading one time, uh, one little girl who was seven years old, they, they asked her, they said, well, who is God? And she began to draw a picture, and uh, she drew a picture of God as an old-looking man with a big white beard and a halo. And she drew these really big ears and huge eyeballs. <laughs> and the teacher said, what's all that about? And the little girl, seven years old, said, well, obviously, you know, for God to see and hear everything, he's got to have big eyes and big ears. <laughs> you know, but you have to understand, I mean, that's where that little girl's coming from, you know, and that's her world. And that's how she's trying to figure things out. I think, you know, we've got to have a little bit more depth as we um, move on in our Christian life to really understand some of those things. So what I want to talk to you today basically is uh, just a simple thing is just understanding who Jesus is. I just, want to, I just want to look at one portion of scripture and it's only one portion of scripture. We could spend, obviously you can go to seminary for a whole class for a semester and obviously try to do that. But there's one portion of scripture that I found in the Bible that so powerful it is so clean it is so crisp in trying to help us understand who Christ is and um, that's the verse I want to look at so if you have a Bible turn to the book of Colossians and I'm going to count up in case any of you like little outlines uh, I have these where you can look at them and follow along and, and um, maybe you like to keep a note that's fine and if not that's alright if nothing else you'll know how close we're getting to the end Or, or right now you just looked at that and you said, man, there's a lot of points. <laughs> so as you, as you open your Bibles, and as you, as you, as you look to God's word, you, you see from God's word, you see that, especially the epistles, you know, as you, in the New Testament, you've got your gospels, and then we have the, the Acts of the Apostles, which is the history of the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. But then you get to these epistles. 
Romans and Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and, and, and those are all little Orvandos. You know what I'm saying? Those are all little churches that existed all over that part of the world in which Paul or other people went to and they preached the gospel and they became churches, little families. And you can only imagine that in that world they needed to have things clarified. And here, you know, if you can imagine this, this little town, like say that we're in the book of Colossians, which is the town of Colossae. You can still go there today. It's just a little ancient tell. They haven't even excavated it. It's in uh, southwest Turkey. And that place still exists. And, but at one time, 2,000 years ago, there was a little church there. And so it was a group of people that had come to know the Lord and they're trying to figure out their faith. And so usually they had unique problems or unique situations. And that's why Paul or Peter, who would ever write some of the epistles, he would write them a letter to try to clarify maybe whatever some of the struggles they were having. That makes sense. This particular book, the book of Colossians, they were trying, they were having a little bit of a difficult time understanding who Jesus was. And, and you had Eastern, you had Greek mythology that was very much a part of the culture. You had every other type of idolatry, paganism there. On the higher places, you had temples to false gods. People were worshiping Caesar, the Roman emperor. You know, all these different conflicting things. And you come and you tell them about this one true God who is the only God who can change your life forever, who will give you like meaning and purpose and significance and can help you and your life, your marriage, your family, and it'll last for all eternity. And it's so wonderful, but you gotta understand how is that possible and who is that that makes that possible? It's Jesus, it's Jesus. And uh, so I find this extremely powerful portion of scripture uh, that, that is in Colossians here where Paul tries to explain who Jesus Christ is. Let me read with you. If you follow, if you have a Bible, follow along. I'm going to be in Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to look at verse 13, okay? Colossians 1, 13 and following. And so uh, Paul is just so excited. By the way, he gave introductory material. He thank, he's thanking the Lord for them. He's thanking God for what he's done. And he prays a beautiful prayer. Actually, verses 9 to 12 is a beautiful prayer that Paul prays and we can pray that prayer for each other as well. It would be just so rich to do so. But then he's thinking about God here in verse 13, and he says, well, he, speaking of the Father, that God the Father delivered us from this domain of darkness. And when you're a sinner, when you're lost, you're in a domain of darkness. And sometimes you see it, and sometimes you don't, but the fact is, anyone who's not a believer is in a domain of spiritual darkness. And you can only imagine when he's saying this, he delivered us from this domain of darkness. When you look around and you see in that culture all the spiritual decay and you see all the idolatry that is so blatant. You know, we're sitting here today and you're looking at the news and we're seeing what's happening uh, socially, culturally, morally, politically. Well, I'm telling you, that's a domain of darkness. But isn't it wonderful that there's a God in heaven who can deliver us from that domain? And if you've been delivered from that name, from that domain, it's, it, it's, that's why you can sing these songs that leave it up there. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the Lord. Boy, when, when, when you've been delivered from the domain of darkness, your praise becomes more real when you understand that. So anyway, Paul says, man, he delivered. God delivered us from this domain of darkness. Then he goes on to say, how? 
how did all that happen? Well, he transferred us from that domain of darkness. Think of these words. He transfers us from that domain of darkness and he transfers us to this kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus. We get called out of this muck and this mire and we're put into this other realm in this kingdom. Man. And in that kingdom, look what it says. We have redemption. I could be redeemed from this and I could have forgiveness of sins. You know what? The most amazing thing in the world would be forgiveness. I'm telling you, there's nothing more guilty. There's nothing more heavy. There's nothing more draining than to have a load of sinful garbage and junk and dirt and whatever. I didn't become a Christian until I was just about 18. And when I was explaining the gospel and I was told that, you know, there was a Savior who died on the cross for my sins and he shed his blood. And if I trusted in him, he would come into my life and he would cleanse me and take all that sin and remove it and make me a new creature. I tell you, it was the greatest day of my life. Man, it is a wonderful thing to be forgiven and be set free. And you know, all the junk that we're seeing happening in our world today and how bad it is, it's taken a horrible toll on our culture. People are killing themselves like never before. They're going to drugs. They're going to out. They're trying to numb their pain. All that they think is good is not good. It's of the devil. And the devil is a liar. And he's come to rob, and to steal, and to kill, and destroy. And he's doing it. And uh, God give us compassion for lost people. Because I was a lost person. And how wonderful it was to be forgiven. <laughs> Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You see that in those verses right there? Yeah, that's that's right there. I mean, that's just right out of there, you know. And so, so he goes on to say, well, you know, who is this person, you know? And it says that, well, he's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. This is talking about Jesus. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him. All things have been made by him. And as you're thinking about all these false gods, all this confusion, all this paganism, he's trying to make it really clear to guys. The Jesus, the God that I'm telling you about, verse 17, he's before all of this. In him holds all things together. I mean, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me in his hands. He's keeping it all together, okay? He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead in order that he himself might have first place in everything. And it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated, hostile, in your mind and engage in evil deeds. He has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy, blameless, beyond reproach. Now that is worth saying amen to. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So really quickly, as I just kind of have shared those verses with you, and I'm not going to uh, spend too much time on it because we're kind of walking a little bit through it and talking about it as I've been doing it. As we think about who is Jesus? Well, letter A, letter A, we see that he is the image of the invisible God. And we see that in verse 15 there, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. 
clear as could be. And what does that mean? In the Greek, it means he's the exact representation. It's not like, oh, I'm just an image. It's like I'm some kind of a, you know, thing that is not tangible. No, he is the exact representation. He's so close is the likeness that, in a sense, it's one and the same. And that's why later on in Colossians, in Colossians 2, verse 9, the author Paul says this about Christ in, in Colossians 2, 9, in Christ, in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in a bodily form. So when you see Christ, when you see this human thing, when you see this human body, all the fullness of God is in that human body. That's who Christ is. He's the exact representation of, he is this, this image of the invisible God. That's why in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus himself said, you know, who are you? And he said, well, when you see the Father, you see me. He said that in John 14, 9. And he says, I and the Father are one. It's a mystery. It's something we can't totally wrap our minds on as finite creatures. But we have this amazing God who's a triune God made up of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we see Jesus, we're really seeing God. And that's important. And the reason that's important is because in our culture today and in this pagan culture, people make up all kinds of definitions regarding who they think Jesus is. And so it's not so much that you say you believe in Jesus, it's more important that you even say you believe in Jesus, but when you're talking about Jesus, who are you talking about? Because all the cults have Jesus. You can go to any cult you want. That, you know, so you believe, oh yeah, we believe in Jesus. And so it sounds good until you say, well, who do you think Jesus is? Is your Jesus the exact representation? Is your Jesus the image of the invisible God? Is your Jesus part of this triune Godhead? No. Well, if he's not, then he doesn't have the authority to forgive you of your sins. And he didn't have the perfection that was needed to provide the sacrifice necessary when he was on the cross to forgive you of your sins. So if you have a different Jesus, you don't have the means to the end. Clarity, the basics on who Christ is. We've got to understand Jesus. And when we understand it, it's like, wow, I can't get my mind around that, but it's so powerfully life-changing. And so we go on to say here that he's the image of the invisible God. And we see in verse uh, 15, as at the end of that, he's the firstborn of all creation. And and that that's not, it, it's not a physical term in the Greek language. It's not that, well, he's the first one that was ever born. That's not what the Greek words here. This is an expression of privilege. It is an expression of rank, and it is an expression of authority. Since he always was and always will be, he possesses priority and control over all things. He is the firstborn. He is the one who reigns, okay? So he's the firstborn of all creation. He wasn't a created being. He always was. And the reason we know that is because of the next verse. In verse 16, he's the firstborn of all creation because by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. So when you look at that, someone might say, wait a minute. I thought you are talking about Jesus. This is who, what God did that. I thought the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Yes. See, Jesus is one part of that triune God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And that's why we have all the blessings that we can have in the Christian faith, because Jesus is our God. He is God, okay? 
And so it's wonderful. And by the way, I, I tell you, you ever read something and you read something and then years later or, or so many years later, all of a sudden it's like, <sighs> it's like an aha moment. They're like, wow, <laughs> wow. You know, that finally, well, I was doing this study about a year ago as I was looking at this verse and it was like, man, that's a powerful phrase. And what I'm referring to is the last part of verse 16 there. And in the last part of verse 16 there, notice this phrase. It says, all things have been created by him and for him. Now think about that a second. Just pause a second on that. All things have been created by him and for him. I'm talking about Jesus, all right? If you think about that verse and that phrase, it really answers the two greatest questions of all, of all time on this earth. And the two greatest questions that often people have is, where did I come from and why am I here? Think about that. You were made by God. All things have been made by him. You were made by God. You were created in his image and, and, and you possess intellect and will and emotion and, 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 and a spirit. And, and sin came into the world and, and it broke that wonderful relationship that God wanted with you. But yet that potential was there and that can all be restored through Christ. But why? Where did I come from? There's a God and there's a God who made you and made all things. And the world comes along and likes to try to kill God and pretend that God doesn't exist. And so without God being there, there's absolutely no sense of purpose in life at all. It's just all random. It's all by chance. It's all whatever. And any sense of fulfillment, any sense of real meaning, any sense of significance outside of understanding that you were a creation of an almighty God with purpose and meaning and significance, when that's gone, you're just another animal. And you can see the emptiness and, and, the, and, and, the, and, the, and the heartbreak that people go through when they think in those terms. I've got a creator and I understand that he made me and he made me and my life and all life is sacred because I was made by an almighty God. And notice what it says. I would have been created by him, but notice what I have been created for him. You know, one of the most important days of a person's life. And this is when you even come into re receiving Christ and being a Christian. I have been made for God. I've made for him. You were made for him. And so all the empty pursuits of mankind come short of inner fulfillment. And we exist to know, to honor, and to enjoy God and all that he's made for us. I exist for his pleasure. And you know what? The more God is glorified in your life, the more satisfied you will be because you're fulfilling what you have been created for. You take that out of the picture, life is so empty and so futile. I'm telling you, these basics are so crucial to build life on. You see what I'm saying? It's so crucial. All right. So anyway, as we look about this, boy, he is he is the image of the invisible God. He is uh, he is the firstborn of all creation. He is the creator. And it goes on to say then in uh, the next verse that he is before all things and all things hold together by him. Man, he is the sovereign, providential God who's keeping it all together and he's in control and just when he wants to, he'll come again and he'll set up his kingdom. And so he's got it all figured out. 
he holds it together. He is the sovereign sustainer. And as a result of that, and as a result of him coming uh, to the earth to be our savior, he ends up then, verse 18, he is the head of our church. Then, So he is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will have come to have first place in everything. Okay? And the Bible goes on to say as we continue to read, and so it was the Father's, uh, it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. He is God, and He reigns and rules, and He's in charge of the church, the body of believers. That's in a nutshell. Who is He? In a nutshell, who is He? And another little nutshell, if we can continue just to finish up here, then quickly uh, this morning is well, just what did He do? What did he do? And keep in mind, he was able to do these things because of who he was. He could not do what we're going to talk about if he wasn't who he was. So you've got to understand who he is. And because of who he is, he was able to do what he was able to do. And what does the Bible say? What did Christ do? Well, we see this in verse 20. And through him then, because he's God, because he's perfect, because he's pure, through him he came to reconcile all things to himself. And he made peace through the blood of the cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. He reconciles us to God. A sinful people, needy, broken, hurting, struggling. God himself leaves the throne of glory, takes on humanity. And he provides the sacrifice necessary. His shed blood on the cross to take away my sins so that my sin could be removed so that I could once again be brought back into a relationship with the God who made me and I'm brought back I'm now reconciled with my creator and I can enjoy my God and I can do that now and I'll be able to do that for all eternity because of Christ's reconciling work that he did and he did that on the cross by the blood of the cross by the blood of the cross, he did that. He shed his blood because he was the perfect sacrifice. And although you were hostile in your mind, engaged in evil deeds, think about that. He brings me back into this beautiful, amazing relationship for me. And it was because he died for me. Letter B. He reconciles us to God. He died for me. And the last thing that I'll say as we close up today is we look at this powerful portion of scripture and says, and he has now, verse 22, he has reconciled us in his fleshly body through his death in order to present me before him holy and blameless beyond reproach. The last and final point there, letter C, is he declares me blameless. <laughs> Can you believe that? A sinner, dirty, contaminated, can be so cleansed, so renewed, so restored, so made completely clean that the holy God of all creation looks at me and says, I don't see any sin. I just see the blood of my son Jesus. You are You want to sing the doxology now, don't you? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. 
praise him above and below all the creatures. Praise him for everything, for he has done it. So anyway, you see those basics? we got to get Jesus right. And we got Jesus right, and we, under, and we just started a little bit. But just that one portion of scripture, only Christ can do that. Only he is qualified, and only he's done it. He's supreme to any and to all. All philosophies, all religions, all other so-called messiahs. He's the only one. And so as the Colossian church was challenged with these opposing views, Paul wants them to get Jesus right. Because the rest is a waste of time. And it's a waste of life. And it brings sorrow and grief. And we're seeing sorrow and grief everywhere we look today. So we need to be light. Let's not be ashamed of this gospel. Let's be lighthouses rejoicing in an amazing God who by his grace has reached down and allowed you to understand what it is to know Christ. And let's tell the world about our Savior. There is peace. There is hope. There is meaning. There is power. There is victory but it's in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Father in heaven, we are so blessed. We rejoice in your goodness. We celebrate what you have done for us. We stand here in awe as we consider just one little portion of scripture, and yet the rest of the word of God continues to exalt you and explains exactly. And sometimes we just don't pause enough to really just kind of think through what it is that you did, and how amazing you are, how powerful God you are, how capable. And the result is how blessed we are when we embrace and follow and humbly admit our need. God, maybe if there'd even be someone here today that I'm not, I don't know where everybody is in their relationship with you. Maybe there might even be someone here today who has never really by faith cried out and said, oh Lord, I, I didn't quite get all this. And because of a miracle of the Spirit of God that may be being drawn right now uh, to you. And so they would just simply say, Oh Lord, I receive you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior. I confess my need of you. I repent and I look to you. God, change me because I can't. Only you can. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. And the rest of us here, we go forth from here today encouraged, restored, helping us not to look at the world so much, but help us to look at this amazing God who's provided such an amazing redemption in Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen. Hey, thank you, folks. It's great to be with you. Hope to come back another time.